welcome to Rancho. We're so glad you're here. Rich, thank you for joining me for today's good conversation. To so good to see you. Okay, how many years here at Rancho? 31 years. 31 years. Can you years. believe it? I get younger every year. It's amazing. Yeah. I love that. People wonder how much time I spend on all this. <laughs> Probably less than me. Okay. <laughs> you need to teach me your trick. Yes. Okay, so what do you do here at Rancho? What's your ministry? Uh, for many years, I was the pastoral counselor here, and then it morphed into Celebrate Recovery, which started 30 years ago, for those of you that have that history, where on Thursday nights we get involved because we saw the need to be a little more intense with discussions and groups and connections and so forth. So we've been doing that for 14 years. It's such an incredible ministry. And if you're not familiar with Celebrate Recovery, would really encourage you to check it out, even so that you have it in the back of your mind as a resource for people that you come into contact with. And so today, Rich, we get to continue this sermon series yes. called Re-Reimagine. I love it. And I am loving every week where we're really looking together at the life and ministry of Jesus and how he reimagined what this world could be and our role in our ministry in it. And so last week, Scott talked to us about Jesus and the temptation that he experienced in the desert. And today, you and I get to talk about how Jesus reimagined purpose. Beautiful. And, you know, purpose is this thing that all of us, whether we know and realize it or not, we're chasing it. We're trying to grasp it and catch it and hold on to it, but oftentimes it feels like this thing that just kind of slips through yeah. our fingers. We know we want it, we're craving it, and the reason for that is that God designed us that way. He yes. created us to have a unique purpose, but oftentimes it just kind of feels hard to nail down. So, Rich, what is purpose? Yeah, purpose, well, one of the things we're going to look at in the, this passage there is that Jesus was telling us about the good news, mm -hmm. and in that good news, there's purpose. Yeah. The gospel, the, the cause the Christ, of Christ, the caring for others, the kingdom of God. So all of that's so beautiful, but then there's some parts of it that were still a little elusive that we had to figure out. Yeah, yeah, it feels like this thing that we can't quite define. So I Googled it because I thought, I want to know what is the actual definition of purpose? How do you define it? And purpose is the reason that we exist. It's why something was created. And Jesus spent time not only redefining purpose in the way that he spoke and the things that he taught, but he redefined purpose mm. by the way that he lived his life. And I, I spent time this week kind of thinking, you know, how do we typically approach purpose as individuals? And I, I kind of see three different ways. One is that oftentimes we will think that our purpose is all about us that it's how I show up in the world, it's my role, it's my title, it's my success, it's what I contribute, it's who I am. Or on the other end of the spectrum, we make purpose all about the other people around us. We make purpose all about how I meet their needs, how I make their life better. If everyone else around me is happy and satisfied, then I can be okay. So we have kind of two opposite extremes. And I have to be honest, I tend to fall on the it's all about me side of purpose, which I think surprises people when you've been a pastor for 15 years. But that's part of the way that I'm wired. I'm, I'm driven, I'm entrepreneurial, and I grew up feeling like I needed to prove my worth in the world. And so I've had to kind of heal from that and yes. manage it even yeah. as an adult. And then we have some of us who feel like we have lost our purpose or maybe like we never got one 
or we did something that ruined it. And so, Rich, I'm wondering, what is your experience with purpose? Yeah, my, my experience in the, when being introduced to Christ was I liked it. I thought, well, this is great. You know, a group of people, they care for one another, the good news and everything. But there were still some aspects of it that were unfulfilling. But there was a little bit of shame there. How much time should I be spending focusing on me? Mm. So I thought, well, no, we care for others. That was great. I was having some experiences that were purpose. But then I had to realize there was something I did not want to face. And one of the things I didn't want to face was how much my childhood yeah. was affecting my adult behavior. I grew up in a home that was poor. I'm an absent father. I started raising myself from 10 years on, uh, hanging out on the streets and making a lot of wrong decisions. And so it was very difficult sometimes to go to church and go, I enjoy these things, but then well, I don't understand how come I'm so angry. Mm, yeah, well, and you make a good point. There's so much that goes into our perspective on purpose. Uh, the way that we're wired, mm -hmm. our family of origin, our life experiences. And what we see is that if we're leaning into purpose is all about me, or if we're leaning into purpose is all about everyone else in my life, it can't be about me. Or if we just feel kind of lost, it's really unfulfilling. Yes. We feel like we're missing something. It feels like purpose becomes kind of this elusive thing. And so why is it when we focus on this end of the spectrum or that end of the spectrum that we wind up being and feeling kind of unfulfilled? Well, no, in my own personal experience, again, we're reflecting on that, is, is that I realized I was not happy on how long it was taking time for me to discover things. When I'm coming to church and I'm seeing these beautiful songs and everything, just for me personally, I'm going, I'm walking out the door going, yeah, but I still go home and I yell at my wife. I don't understand why, why am I driving? I drove crazy in a three-year period of time. I was in three, three different serious car accidents. Something in me is not connecting with mm -hmm. this beautiful image of what Jesus was imagining for me. And what had to happen for me personally, I, I know everybody's going to enjoy this. I made a critical mistake. I told you last service in 1985, I married a normal person. I yeah. didn't know they existed. Yeah. I need to meet this person. I need to know she's real. Yeah, she is real. And she had a loving family living next door to her grandmother, parents six blocks away. And when I was faced with normal and how she enjoyed life, enjoyed people, enjoyed God, I actually was afraid that I was not going to be able to enter into that normality. Mm -hmm. But what kept bring, coming back was this kind of scripture that you're going to talk about today, that God was saying, Rich, I reimagine for you to thrive with love and freedom. Yeah. And so part of our purpose, we're going to discover, is that God desires for us to thrive yes. in love and in freedom. I mean, Rich, that's like the whole sermon right there. It's fantastic. And I love what you just described to us. Oftentimes we think purpose is about a moment. It's about a goal. It's about a job or a title yes. or a relationship. But what you're describing is that purpose is something that we live into more and more over the course of a lifetime. And so, you know, those of you who are watching online, no matter what season or stage of life you're in, you are living in purpose now. You don't have to wait for it to show up. You haven't done something that ruined it. You spoke last service about some failures and some mistakes, and I think there's probably people here that can relate to that, yes. where maybe we have messed up, yes. or we got it wrong, and somehow we have felt like that has disqualified us. Or obstacles that, like you said, were thrown at us. Evan was mentioning that, mm -hmm. and you see a curveball. I'm making some progress, and all of a sudden, I'm yeah. set back again. Absolutely. And that's just discouraging when that happens. But when we can shift our focus and reimagine with Jesus yes. that purpose is bigger 
than the titles. It's bigger than the goals. It's bigger even than the relationships that sometimes disappoint. He will accomplish his goal. He will. He will. And I know we have middle school and high school students over there. And I want you to know that just like Rich is still living in his purpose 31 years later here at Rancho. With people's help. Say that again. With people's help. With people's help. You have a purpose today. You have a purpose now. You don't have to wait until you hit a certain age to get to walk into your purpose. I mean, this is a message for all of us that Jesus has reimagined our purpose right now, today. Would you give Rich a hand? Thank Thank you you so much for joining us. Fantastic job. So we see Jesus begin his ministry by helping us to understand his purpose and our purpose. That's how it all starts. You see, right after Jesus finishes up his temptation in the desert, he makes his way back to his hometown in Nazareth, and it's the Sabbath, and he goes into the synagogue like I know he had done countless times before. And this passage in Luke 4 is known as his inauguration into ministry. It's the very beginning where Jesus sets the tone for who he is as the Savior and the Messiah of the world. And I don't know if he requested the scroll of Isaiah or if it was just a part of the lectionary and the schedule for the day, but either way, what we see in this moment is Jesus asks for the scroll of Isaiah. And that scroll is passed to him and he begins to read and he begins to set up his purpose and our purpose by what he reads. And so I want you to read with me in Luke chapter four. It says the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And what is the good news that Jesus is talking about here? The good news is that God has come. God is here. He is with us. His presence is in us and it's all around us. The good news is that he loves us. And not only does he love us, but he's actually pleased with us. So he's been anointed to bring good news to the poor. And that word poor there is not defined the way that you and I would typically define it as those who don't have all of their material needs met. The original language here is describing someone who is humble before God, someone who has this spiritual hunger where they're acknowledging before God, I don't don't have all the answers. I can't have all of this figured out on my own. There's this contriteness that is what it's speaking about. And then Jesus goes on to say, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. So Jesus starts with proclamation and speaking good news over the people, and then he moves into justice. He says, I am here to bring justice, literally and spiritually, freedom to people. And then he continues to read and he says that the blind will see. And we know that in Jesus's ministry, he literally opened the eyes of the blind. But in the original language, what this is talking about is compassion 
and love. It's that in loosing what has been bound, we show compassion and love to the people around us. And so by starting with proclamation and speaking good news over people and then moving into justice, right there in the middle, the focus on compassion and love means that that is a really important part of his purpose and that every act of proclamation or speaking good news and every act of justice would be done with compassion and love. And then he goes on and he reiterates the whole thing about proclamation and justice when he says that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So we see proclamation and justice reiterated again. And that, that time of the Lord's favor, it's talking about Jubilee from the Old Testament where the slaves are set free and the prisoners are set free and the debts are canceled. This is a fresh, clean slate. Now, what we wouldn't know if we have just read through Luke chapter four at first glance is that Jesus didn't just read the scroll of Isaiah. He actually edited the scripture. Jesus would be one of the only people with the authority to do this, but this is what he does, and it's part of what made everybody so mad at him, which we'll get to that in just a moment. But in four different ways, he edits the scroll of Isaiah. So he leaves some things out. He pulls from another chapter in Isaiah to make his point that he is reimagining the purpose of the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And one piece that I think is important for us to understand today is the end of that part of Isaiah, it doesn't stop with and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He actually leaves out the ending. And the ending in Isaiah is and a day of vengeance of our God. And so what Jesus is saying to the Jews in the synagogue is, I am here and my purpose is that I would bring you mercy and justice and love. But he leaves out the judgment and the condemnation on those outside of the Jewish community. And this is part of what made them mad at Jesus in that moment. And so he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and he sat down and all eyes on the synagogue looked at him intently and then he began to speak to them and he said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. And then it gets better because what winds up happening is Jesus says, and I want you to know the faith heroes that I want you to emulate, the faith heroes that I want you to model your life after. And he chooses two people from the Old Testament. Now remember, this is Jewish culture. Uh, it's the Sabbath. They're in the synagogue. He should have picked two good Jewish male heroes from the Old Testament to highlight as the faith heroes for us to emulate. But do you know who he picked? He picked a Phoenician widow. So not only was she not Jewish, but she was a woman, and they really didn't like that. And he picked a Syrian general. And he says to the people in the synagogue, not only have I come so that you would receive mercy and justice and love, but it's not only about what you get, it's also about what you're called to give. And not only to the people in your family, not only to the people that are a part of your culture, not only to the people that you like and that you understand, but you are also called to respond and to give the mercy and justice and love of God to the other. And I wonder today, who is your other? 
For those in the synagogue that day, it was anyone that was a Gentile. So anyone that was not a part of Jewish heritage. But you and I, we have our own version of someone that falls into our category of other. I wish I could stand here and tell you that after 15 years in ministry as a pastor that I don't have any others in my life. But I do, and God continues to work on my heart. It's the people that I struggle to love. It's the people that I just want to shake sometimes because they just don't seem to get it the way that I get it. But then I realize at times that I've been wrong. Who is your other? We all have them. And so what Jesus is doing in this moment is he's, he's turning it on its head. He's editing scripture in a way that says it's not just about what you get to receive it's also about what you're called to give to the other. And this is the moment where they get really angry with Jesus and they actually try to throw him off of a cliff. And so if you've ever wondered like, what happened? Why did it go from, this is awesome. Here is the Messiah in this day. It has been fulfilled to let's get rid of this guy. It's because they did not like, they did not approve of the purpose that Jesus was bringing to them. You see, he takes what was a message of judgment and he turns it into a message of mercy. And so today, what I want you to know before you leave here is that your purpose is the same purpose that Jesus had, that Jesus lived into. Your purpose is to be a unique conduit of the mercy, justice, and love of God. Think about it. a conduit is something that flows through and out. And this is what we see in the life of Jesus. The mercy, justice, and love of God flew into him and then went out into the world around him, not just to the Jewish culture, but to the whole world. And it's not that you and I are supposed to do it the same way. It's not supposed to look exactly the same. We get to be a unique conduit of the mercy, justice, and love of God, which means we get to take into consideration our gifts our personalities, our style, the season and place and time that we get to be a part of the world that God is reimagining through Jesus. And so what does it look like? What does it look like for us to live into this purpose that Jesus reimagined for himself and for us? How do we, how do we practically begin to live into this? You see, I want you to know today that you have a purpose that God has placed within you from before you were even born and that it's yours and that nothing can change that. And that it's about mercy and justice and love, that it's about what you receive from God and it's about what you give. But how do we do this? How do we live into it? And you see, not only did Jesus reimagine purpose, but he reimagined rhythm. And he teaches us through the scripture and he modeled it in his life, how we live a rhythm that opens us up to our purpose, that, that takes us from this place where purpose feels like this thing that's just slipping through our fingertips all the time that we can't quite nail down and turns it into something that we get to live into in deeper and deeper ways every day of our life. And so in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus teaches us about this pattern, this rhythm that he not only taught, but he lived. And so I want to read with you. He says to us in Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take 
a real rest. This is Jesus inviting you and I to live into our purpose by bringing him our needs, by allowing him to see our suffering and our pain and our exhaustion. And he says, I want you to come to me. This is the first part of the rhythm because we are human. And part of our humanity is at some point after we go, 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 and we do, 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 and we are achieving all the things and serving all the people, at some point we hit a wall if we don't rest. And Jesus, fully God, was also fully human. And so not only did he teach you and me this pattern, this rhythm, but he lived into it. Think about it. He practiced the Sabbath. He took a day to rest and to worship and to enjoy people. We also see Jesus running from crowds. He had ministered and healed and preached and done all the things. And then we see him trying to get away from the people. This is, my extroverting is done for the day, I need some time alone. He didn't succeed, they caught up with him. But we see Jesus trying to have some boundaries so that he could rest. We see Jesus going up into the mountains and out into nature to experience silence and solitude with God so that he could receive from his heavenly Father. And then my favorite one is that we see Jesus taking a nap. Do you remember this one where they're in the boat and the wind and the waves are going crazy and the disciples are kind of freaking out and they find Jesus and what was he doing? He was sleeping because he was tired. He's like, you guys, it's all good. I've got this. So Jesus is not only inviting you and I to live into this pattern of receiving and of rest, but he modeled it for us. And then only after we've come to him, Only after we've been vulnerable with our neediness and our humanity and we've been invited to receive rest, does he then extend the next invitation. He says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And then this next part, I have to be honest with you, sometimes it almost feels too good to be true. There's a part of me that as I read it, as I speak it over the lives of people, there's a part of me that thinks, oh God, is this really true? Could it be this good? Could it be this easy? Because he says to us at the end of the passage, he says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. This makes me wonder if I complicate things at times. It makes me wonder if I take on expectations and responsibilities and burdens that were never mine to carry. And it makes me wonder if maybe that's why sometimes I get weary and tired. He says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So what is this rhythm that Jesus reimagines for us that opens us up to live fully in the purpose of God in our life? It's that we would receive the mercy and the justice and the love of God And then out of that fullness and out of that abundance, we would then respond to the world around us with that same mercy and justice and love. And that we would repeat the cycle over and over and over again. We would receive and then we would respond and then we would repeat. I want you to think about this every time you use your shampoo. Because what does it say on the bottle? Wash and rinse and repeat. Did any of you ever wonder, like, at what point am I supposed to repeat? Is this right now in the same moment or is this six days after a bunch of dry shampoo? I don't even know. 
But we receive and then we respond and not just to the people that we're comfortable with, not just to the people that are easy for us to love and to like and who think like us and look like us and talk like us, but to those on the margins, those on the outside, those who fall into the category of my personal other. That is the rhythm. And so what does this look like? I want you to walk out of those doors today understanding clearly your purpose and how you live into it. So how do we receive? What does that look like? You know, maybe you're in here today and you would say, Carissa, I don't even know what it looks like to receive from God. Maybe there's a part of you who has believed that your life is so good and God has been so faithful to you and things have just kind of, you're just blessed that you feel kind of guilty asking God for anything more. You feel kind of guilty bringing your needs to him. Or maybe you find yourself thinking, you know what, life feels hard for me right now, but I don't want to talk to God about my suffering or I don't want to talk to God about my pain because there's so much suffering in the world. There's so much pain in the world. Friend, I'm here to tell you today that your pain your suffering, your grief, your disappointment, it matters deeply to the heart of God. I can't tell you how many pastoral care appointments I've been in over the years where someone will come in to share with me something difficult and heavy and hard that they're going through, but there's almost always this disclaimer at the end where the individual says to me, but Carissa, I know it's not as hard as what you've been through or what they've been through or what they're going through over there. And I will say to them in that moment, it doesn't matter what I've been through or they've been through or what, what matters right now is you, your needs and your suffering and your pain. There's not a compassion pie. And if you pull your slice of compassion from God, nobody else gets theirs. Remember, there's a limitless supply of love and compassion from the Heavenly Father. And so maybe you're here today and you need to learn how to receive mercy and justice and love from God. And so for you, that might look like it's time to take a break and rest. And if you're like me and you struggle to stop, you move from one goal to the next goal without stopping to celebrate and you put too much time and focus and attention on what you're doing and what you're accomplishing, you might need to actually schedule in some rest and hold yourself accountable to doing it. One of my favorite theologians that I quote often, he says, it's time for us to learn how to be a human being instead of a human doing. Do you know why I have that memorized? Because that's tough for me. And by the grace of God, I'm learning every day to live more and more in that rhythm. For some of you, if you're called to spend some time receiving, it means it's time to ask for what you need. Some of you are feeling guilt and shame because you have needs in your life. And it's time to actually ask God for what you need, to ask your friends and your family and the people around you and your support system to help. Can they help you carry a load? Can they help you carry a burden? I spoke with a woman a couple of weeks ago who has prayer cards, and she was telling me that every day she prays through her prayer cards. I love that. But I know this woman well, and she's invited me into some of the deeper places of her life. And I said, you know, I'm kind of curious. How many of your needs are on those cards? And do you know that she didn't have one card that was for her? 
So maybe for you today, in order to receive, it's time to take your needs, to come to Jesus and all of your neediness and all of your humanity and actually acknowledge to him that you need him, that you need rest, that you need comfort. And then how do we respond? Some of you are in here today and it's time you have been on the receiving end. We have received mercy and justice and the love of God and now part of our purpose is to respond to the world around us, to those in our home, to those in our neighborhood, to those in our church family, to those in our community and beyond. But maybe you're in here and you're like me and there is a season in your life right now where things just feel heavy and dark and hard and you're so wrapped up in your own pain and your suffering that you're just not even sure if you can do that. And what I want you to know is if you are there, you're not alone. I know what it's like to be there. And there are seasons where we are just called to receive, where we just allow God to pour into us. We allow our friends and our family and our small groups to just pour into us. And then there's also times when we use a little bit of discernment. And even in the midst of our pain, our darkness, our suffering, God invites us to look up and out and to show up for someone else in their pain, to show up and support and encourage and love someone else because it's counterintuitive in those moments, but what winds up happening is we shift our focus off of ourself and our own pain just long enough onto the others around us that it gives us a little bit of reprieve. It gives us a little bit of a break. Sometimes it even gives us a little bit of healthy perspective. And so you wanna use some discernment if you find yourself in that season, it's not cut and dry. Usually it's helpful to ask someone you trust to help you figure out what that looks like. But we receive and then we respond. And so what does it look like when we are called to respond to the world around us with mercy and justice and love, what it means is we speak and act with love. We speak and act with love. We see Jesus do this all throughout his ministry as recorded in the gospels. He speaks always and only to people and over people with love. And his actions are always done in a loving way. And so maybe for you responding means calling someone in your life and speaking life over them, peace over them, love over them. Maybe you don't even speak at all. Did you know that sometimes the greatest gift we can give to someone is just to listen and ask good questions and empathize with them? And so sometimes we resist reaching out to people in their pain because we don't know what to say. And you need to know that that's okay. Sometimes you don't have to say anything at all. Sometimes you just listen and you care and you ask questions. And then we act, our actions matter. And you know, one of the things that I am loving so much about Rancho and about all of you is we always have lots of practical ways to act with mercy and justice and love. So I thought of two this week that I wanna challenge you to join me in. And the first one is VBS is coming and I don't know if you've heard or not, but we have over 400 kids registered for VBS this summer. That is amazing. And not only that, but there are a whole bunch of them on the wait list. And in order to get those kids off the wait list and here for VVS where they can receive the mercy and the justice and the love of God, we need some crew leaders. So we need adults to come and respond and give away mercy and justice and love to these kids. Now, if you don't like kids, that's okay. I have another option for you. I hope you like farming. Because did you know we have a farm? 
I just think this is amazing. Every year, the farm produces about 70,000 pounds of fresh produce that's given out to five different food banks in the area that feeds those who are in need. And we get to go and we get to actually harvest the produce. And so maybe part of responding for you is that you sign up for a day where you go for just a few hours and you actually get your hands dirty in the soil and you harvest some of that fresh produce. I already signed my family up. I already told the kids about it. They thought there was gonna be animals there and I didn't even disappoint them. I thought they'll figure that out when they get there. It's gonna be lettuce, potatoes. How are you called to respond? How are you uniquely called to speak and act with love? You have a purpose, my friend. It's a part of who God created you to be. Jesus reimagined it, and you are invited to take part. We receive, and then we respond, and then we repeat the process. And so I want to invite you to stand, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the scripture over you today. So now is your moment. You can stand. And the reason I'm going to do this is I believe that God still speaks to us today doesn't always look the same, and the way that he speaks to you might not be the way that he speaks to me, but he does speak to us today. He knows you, he knows your life, he knows your giftedness, he knows your struggles, he knows your experience, and he knows your purpose. And I have been praying this week that he would speak specifically to each of you through the words of this passage of scripture. And so as I read, I wanna invite you to just look for a word or a phrase that just seems to jump out at you. Maybe it glimmers or it shouts a little bit. And then let's trust that that is God's unique word, his unique message to you today. And so as I read, you're invited to close your eyes if you'd like, or you can read along on the screen, whatever feels the most comfortable for you. And so Jesus says to you today, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Would you come to me? Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so God, we're grateful today that you have reimagined purpose. I thank you that you have a unique purpose for every individual in this room, a unique way that they're called to receive and respond to your goodness and love and mercy and justice. God, help us learn this rhythm. Help us learn to receive. Help us learn to respond and then to repeat it all over again. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.